Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today in history, in 1922, Egypt was declared an independent country. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. And don't get it twisted, it's not a fucking game. Fuck what you heard. It's what you're hearing, listen. Zach gonna give it to you. Fuck wait for you to get it on your own. Zach gonna deliver it to you. Uh, My name is Megan, and tonight I will be your spiritual guide. However, I should inform you before you get your hands and feet into the vehicle, I don't know where I'm going. And I'm Matt. Today I learned that Zach... Uh, is the worst white rapper that exists. Um, actually, today I learned that the tallest married couple ever recorded was Anna Haining Swan, who was seven feet eleven inches, and Martin oh Van Buren Bates, who was seven foot nine inches. And when Anna gave birth, her baby was twenty-two pounds. Oh my God! Holy fuck! Is she okay? I guess she's tall. <laughs> That baby fell like a giraffe baby. Yeah, dude. Or like an ostrich egg. Their <laughs> shell is thicker. Sunk. Bonk. I, first off, thank you for calling out the ridiculousness of my intro. I do I, have to go listen to that song now, though. <laughs> Second, I was going to woof at the beginning, and I thought that thank was too much. Fuck you didn't. <laughs> Third... Holy fuck, that's a tall-ass lady and a tall-ass guy and a tall-ass baby. Yeah, well, <laughs> tall not tall-ass baby. Ass baby. It was just heavy. I mean, hear me out, though. For If we're going to talk about weight displacement, I'm assuming it's a tall-ass baby, it's too. It's probably a tall-ass baby. That guy came yeah. out with an like, NBA. Like, I understand babies when they come he out. He came out with an NBA jellied. contract. Even if they were just freshly jellied children... They're not Jelly standing up children. straight, but I still call it tall. It's it's maybe it's yeah, a long baby. It's a long. It's a long baby. baby. Let's call it a long baby. Also, when you said freshly jellied children, all I thought about was like the cranberry sauce <laughs> out of the can. I mean, I don't know if you've seen a child right after birth, but that's not. Who used too the term "freshly jellied kid" in a song? Was that a Bo, Bo Burnham, Burnham song? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I thought yeah, I thought a, I was right about that assumption. That's a truly right. inspired way to describe children yeah. fresh out of the womb. Just freshly jellied, cranberried. All right, guys. Yeah, it's like really good. Did we have more to say about freshly jellied kids? No. No, I'm just thinking about it, so we can go. Okay, cool. Uh, we played an imaginary game of rock paper scissors. We have reset our strikes to zero. Our order for tonight is me with an itty-bitty baby story. Megan, with a story that is of an undeterminate length. And Zach, who is bringing up the rear with some chonk. 
I was going to say, who's just right. Uh, no. Oh. Megan's probably <laughs> just right, to be honest. <laughs> More often than not, hers are, like, the perfect length, and she's like, okay, that was my story. And then you and I Bye-bye. come in with, like, a massive club. <laughs> it's either way too big or way too small. Yeah, There's no yeah. fucking right way to do this. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll see about my story. I did really like looking it up. It's Needle Dick so. or a Campbell's can. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, as I was just mentioning... Zach and I especially tend to come to this podcast with some pretty beefy stories. Um, And I, I don't know about my two uh, compatriots here, but I sometimes look at stories that are a little bit smaller. And I think to myself, there's not really enough meat on this story to present it to my uh, podcast friends. But I also feel like in some cases... We should be good enough at our jobs by now since we've been doing this for about two years uh, that this should not be the case when it comes to some stories. So in the spirit of that, I'm, one, telling a dad story because it's about World War II. Two, uh, stepping on Megan's toes because it's about the Japanese theater. And then uh, three, I'm telling a story that could really be summed up in a sentence, but I'm going to give you all the stuff. Um, okay. So I'm talking about mm. World War II, but it's the end of it. Okay, Matt, before you continue. No. Okay. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was going to say you are stepping on Megan's toes yes. for being in the Japanese theater. Yeah. So I'm going to do something. You're going to step on my to make... toes? No, I was going to say, I, I, I don't know if this is true in the spirit of them, but I want to do it because I want them to remain relevant. And we haven't done it in a while, oh, but shit. I am going to give you a strike. Oh yeah! Oh my no. God! Christ! Wow! <laughs> Thank God! Holy I shit. thought I that's only fair. I thought he was gonna cancel like the whole podcast for a second. Oh no 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 no! Absolutely yeah, not! Yeah no strikes strikes definitely are relevant. Um, and I appreciate you giving me one because this is the first strike of 2023, which I will happily take. Wait, um, is it? it is, I thought yes, Zach it got is. a strike. No, we haven't given Zach any strikes yet. I'm in strike free. Uh, and I am surprisingly. I'm honored to take the first strike of 2023. I will wear it proudly, like a badge of honor. Um, so again, I am talking about World War II. I'm talking about the end of it and the Japanese theater. Um, specifically, I am talking about one particular individual whose story is a little bit crazy, and I'm going to do my best to bury the lead here just a little bit. But as I mentioned, the story can be summed up in about two sentences, so we'll see how good I do. Uh, this gentleman's name is Sutomu Yamaguchi. And he was an engineer in Japan. Uh, His name sounds so familiar, and I'm I'm trying not to think too hard on it. He was born on March 16th of the year of our Lord, 1916. And when he was in his 20s, he took a job for Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, where he worked drafting designs for oil tankers. In the summer of 1945, Yamaguchi and two co-workers were on a business trip, um, but they were getting ready to come home. They had been there, I think, if I remember correctly, they had been there for about three weeks, and they, uh, they were getting ready to leave to come home. When he got to the boat to like board the boat and go home, he realized that he had forgotten his identification. 
Oh, no. And so he... And this is when Americans were throwing... Oh, never mind. That was only Japanese Americans. <laughs> no, wait. Never <laughs> mind. Wait. Never mind. Um, so... Wait, never mind. It was only our own citizens we were being shitty to. So he turns around and goes back to the site where he was working uh, so that he can find his identification badge. Um, and uh, he gets to the location where he had been working turns around and heads back to the boat. And like I said, this story is very short. Uh, so that was the longest that I could bury the lead because uh, the date was August 6th. Oh, no. He was in yep. Hiroshima. And at yep. 8.15 in the morning, while walking Classic. back to the boat that was meant to take him home, he watched as the little boy got dropped from the Enola Gay... And Hiroshima suffered the first attack from an atomic bomb ever. So yep. the explosion knocked him on his ass. He ruptured yeah. both of his eardrums. He was Holy temporarily shit. blinded and he suffered radiation burns on the top left half of his body. Um, as soon as his sight was restored... He crawled to a shelter nearby um, and then got patched up just enough so that he could go out and find his co-workers. Um, and he did, in fact, find his co-workers uh, after a little bit of searching. And then... They uh, were also alive? They were also alive, yes. They had both, uh, they had both survived the blast. Um... But uh, they decided that it was still time for them to go home. Uh, so they boarded a boat and returned home to... Don't say Nagasaki. Nagasaki. Holy oh, fuck. No. 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 Don't say Nagasaki. <laughs> so no. uh, he gets, gets home to Nagasaki... Uh, gets himself patched up at a local clinic and um, gives himself a, a couple days to rest before going back to work on August 9th. Oh, and this man. is the craziest thing about this story because he had just finished explaining what the atomic bomb looked and felt like to a supervisor at his job. When at 11 a.m. Oh, my God. It looks and feels just like that. The fat man was dropped on Nagasaki. Stop it. This man. This poor man. Does he live? He does. Holy, Holy fuck. shit. <laughs> the man that outlived two atomic bombs. So This man has, like, more radiation in him than uranium itself. So, um, in each instance... I looked. Mm -hmm. I, I was researching this, and I looked this up. He was two miles, or approximately two miles, away from each blast. Okay. Um, and uh, the first injury, as I mentioned, he got he got knocked on his ass, was blinded temporarily, was deafened, and had burns on him. Um, the second, uh, the second drop, the second bomb in Nagasaki. He didn't suffer any physical uh, symptoms, aside from the fact that uh, 
he vomited profusely for a full week. Yeah. Um, but he didn't like he didn't get knocked down. Nothing fell on him. He wasn't injured or hurt or uh, anything to that effect with this with the second bombing. Um. So that's the whole story, kinda. Um, kinda. What do you mean? Well, kinda? so interestingly enough, despite the fact that you know he was there when two atomic bombs were dropped. He lived to be 93 years old. How? Holy How shit. How did he live that long? Uh, he died in, I think, 2010. Holy shit. Um, and he spent the latter part of his life just talking about um, a need for the removal of atomic bombs. He's yeah. like, you know, as as the only man alive. <laughs> Not has... the only man alive who has the distinction of surviving both. Um, he was one of several people. The Japanese government actually went through the process of honoring um, the people. And I'm not going to bastardize the Japanese language enough to try and pronounce what they called um, these individuals. Oh, they do. They can. Okay. I... But no. they did. Uh, ends with an H. Yeah, they they had, they had several others. Um, he had only been honored as a person who survived. I think uh, he had been honored by one or the other earlier on, um, and that was good enough for him. But when they like went back and checked, he had mm-hmm. been. Uh, I think they double-checked it, and he was like, yeah, no, I was there for both and survived both. And um, um, Also, the the word is hibakusha. Okay, cool. I Megan, I trust much more than, yeah. uh, than <laughs> so myself. Thi- this is wild to me, because to give a little bit of extra background for you, yeah, the little boy, yeah. which was the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. Yeah. It exploded with a force that was equivalent to 15,000 tons of TNT. Yep. And destroyed five square miles of city. Which is wild, because he was only two miles away. Yeah, it's square miles, though, so, like... Oh, fair, right. That's different. Yeah, so like uh, I'm gonna post a picture of him in the chat for you guys too, so that you can see what he looked like at his old age. And the fat man, yep, was twenty-one thousand tons of TNT. Yeah, and three square miles of city. Yeah, that's you survived the equivalent of. 36 tons of dynamite. Yeah. Yeah, much dynamite. Much, much dynamite. A lot. That's, like, and, and like, looking at, like, the the, the damage zones on a, like, nuclear blast. Yeah. Like, a 10 kiloton bomb is going to be extremely devastating from at least a mile around in a radius. Right. I think... Two miles out is, like, pretty decently devastating still, but, like, the fuck? I think the thing that kind of impressed me most about this story, though, was... And maybe it was played up just for, like, the sake of it, but him saying that he had just gotten done telling his supervisor 
And this was a time oh, before, yeah, like, information traveled very, very quickly. Yeah. So, like, like... I wouldn't be surprised if he had just finished, like, telling his boss. Like, his boss was like, what'd you do over the weekend? How was the business trip? And he goes, I almost got fucking fried by a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> well, I almost got he also had to man. come back to work with, like, he came back to work with bandages. Like I said, he was pretty heavily burnt. Um, yeah. And so his I'm sorry, boss... my my guy. Can I maybe have a couple of vacation days? I almost turned into a fucking Friday. His boss probably was like, "Hey, how'd you get that?" And he was like, "Well, let me tell you." Yeah. Boy, howdy. Well, yeah. Let me tell you a story about how my life flipped turned upside and down. And how? Um. <laughs> so it's. I just thought it was really interesting. Uh. And we really don't like. We often don't tell stories that are only two sentences long without sort of sensationalizing them or contextualizing them a little bit. I think everyone who's done a regular history class, at least in 2023, knows what World War II is and what the atomic bombs are. I mean, I hope um, we'll see if Ron DeSantis changes the culinary again in Florida. Maybe you don't know, yeah, but bombs sure. got dropped. You can look it up at your local library, World War II. Um... um. Maybe you can look it up here. We uh, we mentioned the cities Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Definitely check it out. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I'd lose my mind if someone came into the library and was just like, hey, I heard this new thing. I've um, heard about this me... new thing. Can you tell me about World War II? I heard this yeah. newfangled thing called atomic bombs. Yeah. My, like, my no. whole thing, too, is so I just heard a story about another country that is, like, in the process of making their first atomic bomb. Why? Where it's just, like... <laughs> so this guy survived two of them. Since yeah. then, we have only made them more powerful, such uh -huh. to the point where, like, the term mutually assured destruction now exists. And That's true. Like, it does. Instead of taking because he spent as i mentioned the latter half of his life just talking about how like these are bad for your health yeah um and instead of like the world going you know what we probably should take a step back everyone's just like hey can't wait to get enough of that yeah that's Listen, so dumb i don't know if you've ever played civ I was but. about to say, there's only one time that nuclear armaments are okay, and that's when fucking uh, some... I can't remember what the guy's name is. I don't know. When, you know, fucking Victoria tries to... Queen Victoria herself tries oh, to yeah, it's like them. Yeah, the only time that our nuclear armaments are okay is when the Congo fucking pisses me off in Civ 6 because I don't want to do what they want me to do, and I'm like <laughs> Yeah, that's so accurate, technology. though. That's, like, so accurate. Like, like, the Congo will be like, I'm the most warmongering nation you've ever seen. It's like, my brother, get my out! My brother, I have nukes. Yeah, like, and the, that's the only time I'm okay the with other, this. The other time is when Gandhi makes them. No. In, oh, my God. In Why? old, in old versions of Civ, where he would be so peaceful that if he became more peaceful, he was also the most villainous. They, they, they kept that in the game. I bet That's they did, because the that is the funniest sounding glitch that exists. It is a rolling integer. Yeah. Which is actually very funny. It's a very, actually, like, I 
know this because I'm dumb. Here's my little fun fact for the day. Um, Today you learned, audience. Rolling, rolling integers are actually something that is very common that you have to, like, play test for in a lot of different video games. It's one different ways where you can, like, exploit things by having a rolling integer where you basically, l like, lose so much money that you actually make money because it doesn't understand, like, having a negative. Yeah. It doesn't um, understand. There's actually ways to, like, exploit different games. Like, people have done it with, like, online games where they basically, like, sell a certain number of things so that it seems like they have a negative in their inventory. And next thing you know, they have, like, a million of them. Mm -hmm. Because instead of rolling back to a negative, it rolls back to the highest number. Yeah. I wish real life worked like that. I know, right? Can I go so in debt that I'm a billionaire? <laughs> So, anyways, I spend all my money right now. Can I just all of a sudden be rich? So, anyways, but that's that's my two two sentence story, and I did take a little bit of time contextualizing it, but I also, you know, explained how it's like still to relevant add today. To your story, huh? Um, I'd like to add to your story. Yeah, feel free. When, uh, when I was in Hiroshima, I did go to like the dome, the one of the only like buildings that survived the blast which is sort of like this hollowed shelled um building that had a dome on it and also i they have like down one of these really innocuous looking streets that's like filled with a bunch of like stores and whatever they do have like a singular like granite uh pillar and it's not big but it has a plaque on it and it says you know a mile above your head, like exactly where you're standing, is where the bomb went off. And Holy shit. I I looked up and I was like, uh <laughs> what? That's um, wild. But, that is like yeah, that is a humbling fucking monument it right there. It was very weird. Like I looked around, everything was normal. I looked up into the sky, it was gray, it was a normal looking sky, and I looked back at the plaque and I was like, Jesus Christ. And then you look at pictures of Hiroshima, because when you go, like, the city seems really planned out, like, the streets are really wide, um, the buildings are, like, not modern constructions, but they're kind of blocky and concrete, mm -hmm. uh, but it's because all of them were leveled, like, and so all the buildings I was looking at were, like, relatively new in mm -hmm. terms of Japanese history, because the city was gone. There was nothing left. There was nothing left. Um, but yeah, any anyway, that's Except for that's one my fucking fun. dome. Yeah, that's my fun fact about my time, my my big adventure in Hiroshima. The Jeez. time I stood under the atomic bomb blast. Yeah. As I mean it's I think it's just it's too interesting a story not to tell. It's almost like Oh, absolutely. It's almost like that woman who I feel like Megan told a story about the unsinkable woman. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, her name was like Jessa. Yeah, that was and her she last survived name. the sinking of the Titanic and the Britannic. Yeah, like all of the Titanic sisters that she was like, well, "I'll just get I'm on." I'm just them. gonna get on them, and then they sank, and she's it's like, "I'll get off. It's fine." Oh yeah. Um, They're like, "Ma'am, are you okay?" I can see okay? you don't want me. Fine. So it it was definitely one of those stories that I was reading this and I was just like, "Hey, 
that's a two sentence story but like if you tell it right it can be a little longer so i did uh i did want to bring it to your attention and i did post a picture of uh this gentleman in the group chat he looks i oh, saw yeah, him. Let me... he looks delightful let me honestly look at him let me wow he looks great he, um yeah. he died at he looks... 93 of stomach cancer so well Holy you know shit. i mean to be I'm not expected gonna lie. i was kind of expecting yeah, cancer. cancer of some kind for sure yeah, do you think, like, when they when he went into his doctors, they were like, hey, do you have, like, family history of cancer? And he's like, oh, no, it was the bombs. He's, he's like, no, but I do have a family history of two fucking huge bombs. Yeah. I bet, I, I would imagine that, that I... I would imagine that's exactly how that conversation went. Oh, do you have yeah, a history? No. Uh, Hiroshima, Look, Nagasaki. The yeah, guys, the guys survived both atomic bombs, which either means one of two things was going to happen. Either he was going to have cancer at some point in his life, or he was going to have superpowers. That's there's yeah. no so fucking true. way around it. Like there's no in between. So, yeah, there's not to make light no. of cancer or the fact that two drop bombs were dropped on this. Yeah, man. no, I mean, but <laughs> there's two options: superpowers, superpowers or, or cancer. cancer. Yeah. And historically, specifically dropped on historically, him. anyone who has experienced radiation never got superpowers, or we'd have heard about it by now. So that's true. But this but guy's superpower was living to ninety-three years old. So like, yeah, that's actually yeah. true, though. Because a lot of other people that were like in the area succumbed Didn't much, that much long. faster. Yeah. So. Yeah. But anyways, that's my story. It's not the longest one I've ever told. It's probably actually the shortest one I've ever told. But I think it needed to I be liked told. It. I liked that so one. Fun. I'm glad we all enjoyed one. ourselves. Um, you want to move on to me? Yeah, we can do that yeah. whenever I'm you're middle. whenever you're ready. Megan has made it I'm... known to us that she's the middle child and has been the past like three podcasts so we're gonna switch it up next next time guys so if you're it's true if you're complaining about the amount of times that we've put megan in the middle uh <laughs> i don't think anyone is she's also complaining about it off camera and no, i'm bringing it to that's... light now okay and by complaining i just mean she said hey i've been in the middle a, a few times now and we're like oh yeah we should probably change that up huh mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> I want to tell my story. Can you tell us what it's called first? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> hey, we don't... We, uh, I guess. I'm sorry, God. Megan. Yeah, no, it's fine. I'm going to tell my story. The title is, I'm not eccentric, I'm spiritual. There we go. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, perfect. It's a good one. Okay. So, um, back in the day when you could truly go on a mythical quest with little to no repercussion because rules didn't exist, I am referring to the 1920s, to be exact. Wow, that is not uh, a long time ago when rules didn't exist. They definitely didn't exist in the 1920s. You could just, like, go and eat a mummy if I'm you wanted not- from Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> like, you could, like, I mean, literally okay, go. Could you actually You go could eat a absolutely do that in the 1920s, yes. You could literally go and... What do you... Why do you think there aren't that many mummies, they, Zach? Zach, I... One of the stories that I was researching today was that the rich used to go eat dead humans because okay. mummies tasted I thought- delicious, I guess. Look, I know... This is a whole sidetrack right now, and I'm ready. I know that we have talked many... Or at least I have talked about how many times in history, medicine wasn't the greatest, and they were kind of like, hey, I guess 
the best way to like cure yourself is to just crush up this mummy and snort it or like eat this mummy or like That's exactly what they did. You have blood problems. You should just drink blood. Like, but I thought we'd <laughs> be over blood. that in the 1920s. No, they legitimately no, like the rich used to eat dead people because they thought that it would boost their immune system. Yeah. So like a lot of things happened in the 1920s. So there was no rules. Um, so in this time 1920s, frame, 1920s Outback Steakhouse, no rules, just right. Oh, no God. rules, just right. This woman absolutely was like, "That's my motto. That's my slogan. <laughs> I live and breathe it." Um, so she decides to go travel the world, and she throws herself into esoteric spiritualism and infiltrates infiltrates countries forbidden to foreigners, like their borders were cut off. And she was like, that doesn't apply to me. There are no rules, just right. Um, I'm a rich white woman. Rules don't apply to me. I, I mean, essentially, that's what she did. Where's so, my pumpkin spice latte? She's like, where's my pumpkin? I mean, to be fair, this lady, like, she's not exactly pumpkin spice, right? <laughs> okay. On a level uh, of one she to did... Karen. Well, she became like a Buddhist master, oh, so like that's okay. a bit different from. So she's going so her, the opposite direction. Yeah, she's she's going in some direction. I mean, there's still crystals involved. We're all but going like, in one direction or another. Yeah, as you know, Harry Styles, One Direction. <laughs> oh, that's no. a, a a cut. That is a cut. Uh, so her name is Alexandria David Neal. Um, and she was a Belgian French woman. Who what a combination. Was, uh, <laughs> yep. The, she is Belgian. She is French. And she is also an intrepid explorer, a spiritualist, a Buddhist, an anarchist for the razzle dazzle, an opera singer. And because why not a writer yes. as well. Okay. Um, I wasn't really a fan of hers, but now I you am. You can never have well, too yeah. many things. <laughs> she, I imagine if she sat down with like a career counselor and they're like, okay, like, let's what pick have you one. Done? And she's like, what do you mean pick? What do you want to do like, with your life? Everything. She's like the yeah, kid she... that has all of the things in their arm. And it's like, don't okay, you need she... a cart for that? And she's like, what? No. What? Okay. She is one of those rich white ladies that has the like really poorly made sign in her living room that says carpe diem, except she actually fucking listened to it. Yeah, she definitely did. Um, so she was, she did not limit herself, obviously. And not only did she have nine million careers, but her writings influenced the beat writers like Kerouac and Ginsburg. Nice. So that's okay. kind of cool. Um, I guess I don't know. I don't think Kerouac's a great writer. So I don't Kerouac's think I don't think Ginsburg is a great writer. So <laughs> I mean, Howell is fine, but like. I don't know. Name another. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, so anytime a middle-aged white man goes like how great Kerouac is, I, I really want to tell them like, oh, you mean the guy who copied Alexandria? And they're gonna be like, who the fuck is that? And I'm like, mm, not a real fan, are you then? Fake fan. <laughs> I think you need to do that. Fake fan. Yeah, my boss really loves Kerouac because Ugh. he's a white man. And no offense, guys. I know that you're white guys too. A white man? No. I listen. Like 
they love him. They're just like, he speaks to my soul. And I'm like, what part of it? The alcoholic part? Like, I just don't know what part he's speaking to. Anyway, I'm getting off track. We've gotten off track several times. Yeah. So I'm going to explain this lady without further ado. Because she has a long and storied life. Uh, So she was born in 1868. And in 1871, when she was but two years old, her father thought it was a great idea to bring his toddler to a rebel-like memorial at a graveyard, to which she said she never forgot this early encounter with death. I don't know why he made this decision. I mean, It's never explained. Like some fucking... uh... Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Mary Shelley shit, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, like maybe Mary he was Shelley just like, ah, uh, I... human being. Yeah, and also very macabre, and like, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I also think like her dad being a French dad was just like, ah, my child. Okay. In all <laughs> fairness, we did talk. The last episode that was released was talking about how the French used to like be like. Ooh, what are we going to do on a Sunday? Let's go to the morgue. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, the yeah. Piss that, the, the piss, piss episode. The piss episode. Where is the piss? So, like, <laughs> yeah, the French people in death, they call coming les petites morts. Like, I think you yeah, brought that true. up last time, They too. fucking love it. We also they love, love it. about how much and coming. Uh, they the love city smells things. like piss, so. Yeah. Yep. So, but so not surprised by your French dad being like, death, you want to check it out? Yeah, you want to check it out? And she was too. And she was like, yes, papa. Um, so, <laughs> yes, papa. I just love papa. Megan's impression of a small French girl. <laughs> yes, papa. <laughs> yes, papa. I love existentialism early on in my young life. Uh, so, with all of her like hopes of optimism really dashed at two years old, Um, She eventually becomes a teenager, but before the age of 15, she was already practicing austerities, which consisted of fasting, corporeal torments, and recipes, like, that she would make, um, that ascetic saints would, uh, like, make for themselves. Um, All of this was conveniently found in the library of one of her female relatives, so, like, maybe the whole family was just fucking weird. (laughs) I, I like do, I I do not understand this family. So then at she finally hits 15 
And she tried running away while on vacation with her parents in the Netherlands. And she tried to make it for England. But she didn't have any money because she's fucking 15 years old. She's trying to make it England, one of the most spiritual places in the world. Yeah, I, like, don't understand why she tried to, like, run away or, like, try to make it to England. But, like, I don't know. Maybe at 15, she was just like, you don't control me, dad, and your weird field trips to the cemetery. I'm going to go make it big in England. Uh, so I'm going to go become like an ascetic saint in, in England. They're going to really love me fasting over there. So then when she is 18, she decides that like just traveling wasn't enough for her. It was too boring. So she decided it was time to start joining secret societies. (laughs) As I, one does, fair enough. I yeah, well, you don't. I too often join secret societies. Uh, yeah, and then, just and off then the I cuff. cancel because the subscription charges to. Oh wait, no, those are like Hulu and Disney Plus. Yeah, that's... I mean, the subscription charge to a lot of cults is a little bit too much too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah just ask true. the people of Jonestown. It's like, listen, I don't want to give any more blood than I have to. Is what... <laughs> I don't want to drink this. What's Kool-Aid, this Kool Aid? <laughs> Hey, Hey, do you have a gun in your hand? Hey, buddy, does this Kool-Aid taste funny to you? We really have to Uh, keep marching on. Yeah, so she she starts joining secret societies. Most notably, she made it into, like, what is called the 30th degree in the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. Okay. Um, I... So I'm assuming that's pretty far up in the fucking Scottish Freemasons. And I'm not a Scottish then, Freemason, but one can assume. One can assume. I'm not a Scottish Freemason, but one can assume. Um, anarchists and feminist groups also welcomed her, and it prompted her to publish various feminist and anarchist manifestos and treatises. Um, so, like, we all we all have hobbies, and this was hers. So, I guess, I guess like, I don't, like, there has never been a point in my life when I have had even the fucking opportunity to join a secret society, and like I'm mad about it. Have, like, this girl's eighteen, and have you sought them out? I, I want them to seek me. That's out. not how secret societies work. No, yeah. that is how secret no, societies only work. They're some secret. Of them. How my some oh of them you God. get tapped. The other ones you fall into by going down a rabbit hole. Is it so yeah, much you for find me to them put... And then they're like, oh, yes, you found us. You, you can join because so... you found us. Okay, but but here's another thing. What if on my LinkedIn profile, I put secret societies, hashtag interested, and then I get headhunted, and then you'll all be sorry. That would be, <laughs> that would be I think wild. you should go for it. You should live right, your dreams. I'll do it. After this, I'll update it. So is the Freemasons technically a secret society? Not anymore. Not when you have buildings in major cities. That's true. Okay. Well, it's secret <laughs> on how to join them. I love I love the tone of Zach's okay just now. Well, no, like, I was gonna say then, like I wanted to know because if if they were technically still a secret society, then I have been invited to join secret societies before. Ah, are the Cub Scouts okay, well, a secret society? <laughs> Can you, what, okay, after this, I'll look up how to get into secret societies. And we're all going to join one. What I need is for you to continue your story, and I will look that up for you. Okay, (laughs) thank you. So, in 1889, after trips to India, because she then decided she was going to go to India, she converted to Buddhism. 
Um, oh, she's 21 at this point. Great. Okay. Uh, so she's getting a lot done in a short amount of time. In the same year, she was like, I'm going to become an Orientalist. Uh, we don't call them this anymore, but what she means is someone who studies Asia. Uh, oh, I hate yeah, that term. It's it's a little cringe. Yeah, uh, a little. However, she needed to refine her English because remember, she's French and Belgian. So she headed to London where she meets up with several members of yet another secret society that she was part of and they helped her, which is so nice. See, secret societies are like... I love that she finally with. made it to England. I, you know, <laughs> that's the that's one good. takeaway. <laughs> well, she made it to Scotland, clearly. Yeah. But I guess didn't just go south. <laughs> so they helped her learn English. And then the next year, she was like, all right, I think my English is good enough. I'm going to start learning Sanskrit and Tibetan. Okay. As one does. Because that's a... It's a quick jump yeah, from no. English to Sanskrit. Uh, however, she was super bad at taking tests. So at the suggestion of her dad, um, because she couldn't get into like uh, colleges for translation because she was bad at the entrance exams, um, she decided to attend the Royal Conservatory in Brussels where she studied piano and singing, which is, I guess, a kind of language. <laughs> And was she bad at entrance exams because she was cosmically an infant? I maybe I don't. It's unclear why she was bad at entrance exams. Um, but clearly, she could get into the Royal Conservatory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So to help her parents out financially, she took up a position as the first singer at the Hanoi Opera House in Vietnam or Indochina, as it was called back in the day. Uh, okay. She also dabbled in writing operas with her pianist lover and went to Tunisia and met a distant cousin who would one day become her future husband. So. Oh. Nice. I, okay. Yeah, I'm, her life is sort of everywhere. It, I mean, uh, let's be honest. Her life was sort of everywhere before. She, yeah. like, she joined the Hanoi Opera House and started <laughs> writing operas with her pianist let's lover. Let's be clear. You... You made sure we knew that she yeah. was eccentric. Yeah, yeah, she is really eccentric. So she meets, meets the distant cousin who's going to become her future husband. And it was in Tunisia where she gave up her singing career and became um, a graphic designer at a casino uh in Tunisia, which is, I don't, I don't know how she got into the advertising department. Or that they even had advertising departments at this point in time, but they did. Um, also, like, what a queen, though. Like, for everyone <laughs> struggling out there for, like, to find, like, a direction in their life. Because, like, she's she truly just the model that you don't. She picked yeah. every direction and went. Yeah, she, like, just don't choose. Just, like, do fucking whatever. Yeah. So, at the age of 36, she, she gets married. Um, okay. And to her distant cousin. And their life together was good, but, like, also kind of turbulent. And she didn't want children because she knew it wouldn't work with her need to be independent and pursuit of learning. Um, and then a few years into their marriage, she was like, my love, my husband, my family member, 
I am going to go on another trip to India. And she promised her husband that she would be back in 19 months because, remember, it takes a long time to get to India. It sure um, does. Yeah. Uh, so these 19 months quickly turned into 14 years. Yes, as it happens. <laughs> as it happens. <laughs> and when she came back, she had also adopted... like when adopted... my dad left to get cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like when my wife went to go to India to get her <laughs> Dad, where's mom? Um, she went to visit India. It's okay. <laughs> she... But so she comes back and she has adopted a son. Of course. As you so often who do. Who was like kind of older. Like he wasn't a child. He was just like a guy <laughs> who was also her son. I found this boy. He's 25. He's my son now. <laughs> I was going to say, I found this boy. That is an adult man. That is a human person. <laughs> that is. He does not need to be taken care that of. That is a walking, but... talking Stephen Hawking. Yeah, dude. So, needless to say, uh, when she comes back after 14 years with, like, just a man who is also her son, um, her marriage began to unravel. No shit. Yeah. (laughs) They just, like, really weren't on the same page anymore. And she continued to travel around Europe and, like, never saw her husband. And I guess, like, my question is, like, if he was willing to deal with the son, why wouldn't he just, like, go travel with her? Yeah. Um, he just didn't, though. <laughs> uh, so. Okay, but that's just, dumb. Like, like if, if I'm going to have a globe-trotting wife, I might as well just fucking be along for the journey. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, the adult son is weird, but, like, I'm sure it's a hurdle we could get over if she just, like, explains herself. <laughs> uh, anyway, so during her time in India, she meets, like, Maharajas and the Dalai Lama, and she stays in various monasteries across India to, like, further study Buddhism. She also crossed into Tibet a few times, which is hashtag illegal um, due to geopolitics. However, when she went to Tibet the first time, the Panchen Lama, which is, like, the second highest authority in Tibetan Buddhism, gave her the honorary title of, like, becoming a uh, a lama, which made her a doctor of Tibetan Buddhism. Like, this random white lady. What the fuck? Um, And then when she goes back to India, the British authorities deported her because they're like, hey, you can't. You can't do that. You can't go into Tibet. It's illegal. But she was like, whatever. Uh, There are a lot more fish in Asia. And by fish, I mean countries. So she went to pretty much all of them. And then she was like, okay, I want to go back to Tibet. But this time I'll go in disguise because they'll never catch me that way. Uh, (laughs) Me, a random white lady, will make (laughs) never be seen in Tibet. Yeah, she's just like, I bet they'll never catch me if I put trash all over my body and I become a beggar. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she was found out, though, because she bathed too much and beggars covered in trash aren't supposed to go down to the river and bathe and then put the trash back on them. That's just not how beggars work. (laughs) Hang on, guys. I need to put my trash back on. Like, what a fucking rookie mistake. Um So then she's deported, obviously, again. And when she goes back to Europe, uh, everyone was just like, damn, was that that lady who snuck into Tibet a bunch of times? So she was kind of famous. Okay. And she she published her story in Paris, London, and New York. 
Uh, and then when she was 69, she headed back to China to study Taoism. However, the year was 1937, and she found herself in the middle of the Second Sino-Japanese War. Oh, Classic. Um, <laughs> which was the precursor to World War II in Asia. So trying to avoid this, you know, the whole war thing, she just, like, wandered through China on, like, a shoestring budget and eventually found herself living again in Tibet for five years, not as a trash panda, but like as a regular person. Um, and I'm going to quote this line because it is so funny. Uh, she said she was deeply touched by the announcement of the death of her husband in 1941. So I'm glad that she found out about it and that she was touched. Did yeah. not go back to, like, mourn him or anything. And then at the ripe age of 78, she returns to France, and she writes, and she was suffering from rheumatism. And then at the age of 101, she dies in Monaco with a friend who was looking after her. Uh, so okay. that's her life. That's Alexandria David Daniel. And she's, like, my role model now. I mean, you know what? Fair enough. I, I think... If you're going to have a role model, have a role model who says, fuck the rules, join a secret society, and travel the world. I mean, that's what she did, though. She was like, I'm not going to have a career. My career is going to be sneaking into Tibet. <laughs> this like, is, I'm going to make, make a job out of sneaking into Tibet. Like, Being a trash person a and washing in the river. Yeah, people were I like, Alexandra, that's not a job. And she's like, shut up, Nar. She's shut like, up. watch me. Fucking watch. watch. Hold my beer. Hold my beer. I'm going to sneak into Tibet for the third time. <laughs> I'm going to do fucking doctor. deport me again. Fucking bring what it are you on. Gonna do? What are you going to do? If you wanted to stick, arrest me. That's like that one <laughs> kid that got arrested for impersonating a doctor several times. Oh, jeez. What? That was much more recent, though. Yes, and he didn't, what? he didn't live a full life of sneaking into Tibet before he... Have we ever Dude. truly lived a full life until we've snuck into Tibet? I don't think so. Which is why this I summer... I wanted to go to Tibet. I'm sneaking into this, Tibet. This summer, <laughs> Is it presents... bad that like you said that and I just like my brain on you like, coming. That's exactly what it was meant that's, to do. This yeah, summer, it did, Matt it sneaks into Tibet. It did what I was designing it to do. Matt sneaks Excellent. into Tibet. <laughs> I would lose my mind if you message me and you're like, so I snuck into Tibet. I'd be like, and you didn't bring me? The first of a three-part series where we all sneak into Tibet. We all <laughs> sneak into Tibet. We're doing the podcast from <laughs> Tibet that we, we have snuck into. We've gotten past the Chinese security teams. Oh, no. Anyway, that was my story. And you're sticking you know, to it. I yeah, love it. I, I wish I was her, honestly. I wish I was a 101-year-old opera singer slash tibetan doctor <laughs> yeah, you know what i think we all do yeah i mean honestly like you are the most you are instantly the most interesting person at all parties absolutely um but speaking of interesting people i'm gonna take this talking stick from you megan yeah, um and tonight i am going to do something that i have never done before i are you ready i'm, I'm not scared but excited well, what I'm going to do tonight is tell you all a story where the Vikings are the bad guys. 
my Whoa. god, Zach, hey, why would you no. Play all right. Sound the alarm. First of all, automatic okay, two really... strikes for Zach because this is against everything that he believes in. Hear me out That's before it. we start, because normally I know I'm the one who's all for the Vikings. Them good old Norse fight boys have been my bread and butter for many an occasion. But you know what? Before you give me the strikes, okay. we're all human. And history is a human thing, and therefore it is fallible. Okay, strike. So just the one the you'll first... get the one strike because okay. I was just trying to make a bit and you made it into an existential thing. Okay. I'm sorry. You're right. I ruined the I'm fun sorry. and I brought the dread in. But I, I, I am going to be the first to tell you that my favorite of the Fight Man Do Bros weren't always the best. And they did their fair shit, uh, like amount of fucked up shit. Which some people don't like it when it comes to the things that they love. They don't like to admit that they're sometimes bad. You know, it's like almost as if we view history through a myopic lens where only one group can do no wrong. You don't actually learn anything. <laughs> All right, Zach. Like, and you know what? I if just... you feel attacked by that joke, good, because everyone else that didn't feel like they were attacked by that joke thought it was fucking funny, you asshole. That's, that's true. I'm so fucking feral tonight. 2023, hashtag the one where Zach gets back to nature. Let's do it! Like, he's actually living in a river right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a river monster. You, like, definitely are. Anyway, on with the program. On with the program, with our scheduled programming. Tonight, I wish to speak to the two of you about about Brian Baru of Ireland. That's a good name. Hell yes. It's a great name. There is a less anglicized version of Baru, and I'm not going to fucking try to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to be like, <laughs> are you not saying it because you can't pronounce it? Because, like, fair Steve play. Steve will tell us. I, I, it's, I, I would love Steve, Steve to tell him, and it's like, it would try. be like me trying to pronounce that. You, do you ever hear seen that video of that guy who was the weatherman? Yes. And he pronounced that, the that fucking says the whole thing from fucking Wales. Glingle like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's the kind of fucking shit. Like, I will show you, show you some of the names, this, and you're going to be like, the fuck? This dude. Mm-hmm. He's my hero, by the way, that guy. He is my hero. He practiced oh. so hard. Oh, yeah, it shows. Just, it fucking just shows. Just to say that one line. And I love him for it. But not talking about him, talking about Brian. Brian. My boy Brian was born in 941. That's right. Oh, We're my. going way back for this one. My my man Brian was born in a year that has three three numbers. <laughs> I was going to say. Time. Before the quadruple digit numbers. <laughs> yeah, before the tyranny of tri- of quadruple digit years came yeah, upon us. Yeah, uh, so born in 941. Yep. Um, in Kinkora, in the kingdom of Munster in That's Ireland. That's not a place anymore. Not a place anymore. <laughs> That's um, not a place anymore. But Brian was the youngest of 12 children to... Jesus Christ. Senatag McLorraine. Yes. And now yes, I would like that is his name. <laughs> that is his name. That's, all, that's all I need. <laughs> I'm also going to send you quickly in the Discord how that's spelled okay. and you're going to be like oh. what the fuck? No. Right, you on. you definitely said it wrong. No, 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 no. I said it right. Oh, did you? <laughs> oh, yes. Jesus Christ. Can you say it again? Senatag McLaren. Okay. Set Senate Senegal macaroni yep senegal macaroni that's exactly what it looks like 
And he was, so uh, Senatag was the king of Thomond, which is a small place inside of Munster. You know, vassals on vassals on vassals. That's how the feudal system in that time <laughs> period worked. Okay. I one of my one of my new favorite games that I'm playing right now is Crusader Kings Three, where it's just like the Vassal Simulator Nine Thousand, and it's great. The, the Vassal Simulator Nine Thousand. Yeah, you literally are like, how do I take over the world? Also, I need so many vassals because I can't control this much land. I need. I need <laughs> anyway, I digress. Now, being the youngest of 12, Brian doesn't really, like, think he's going to have any chance at succession because you got 11 other fuckers in front of you. But here's the thing. Here's the seeker cap. Yeah. Uh, It's the year is nine. 30 something. Yeah. uh, And medicine is bullshit or doesn't exist. Yeah, absolutely. But medicine is the woman who lives down the lane (laughs) that can speak to God directly because she ate a special mushroom. (laughs) Absolutely. Go talk to the bog witch when you have a fever. I get that. (laughs) I do the same thing. Get yourself down to the bog witch, boy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so, you know what? I'm going to say he does have a pretty good chance. Um... Okay, like, here's the thing. If he was, like, the youngest of three, absolutely. Eleven other fucking people in front of Dude, you. Dude, what was the child mortality rate? Like, all I of I don't know, but even if it's fucking 50%, he's still got seven other fuckers in front of him. So he's got, like, five other fuckers in front of him. Yeah, that's what he calls his siblings eventually. Just fuckers. Honestly, wouldn't put it past this man. It gets wild. But he doesn't really feel like he's going to have any chance of succession, and neither does his parents. But the thing about being born noble is you still have advantages, even if you're not getting a kingdom. So I guess. He gets a very good education where he basically goes and studies with a bunch of monks at a monastery for most of his life, as one does in this time period. Yeah, well, who else can read but a monk? <laughs> Honestly, yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, that wasn't me being facetious. That, yeah. was, that was me. That was you, you know, talking about how the, the only truth. people that read are the people that translate and rewrite the Bible every fucking day of their lives. Yeah, they're just like, oh, you want to rewrite the Bible again? Well, we did it yesterday, but. But it sounds well, like I've got do? time. So life is pretty fucking chill for young Brian. Uh, the life until, of Brian. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. One day where he's roughly a teenager. The Fire Nation. uh, Pretty much. Uh, (laughs) That was Megan's Megan's joke. I was just laughing at it. Oh, no, 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 no. Until one day the Fire Nation attacked. Stop it! (laughs) Because when Brian's about a teenager, he's sitting at the monastery, and the Limerick Vikings sail up the River Shannon and, well... Do what Vikings did done gonna do, and they burn and pillage all the village. Well, you know, classic. And <laughs> I'm not doing an attempt to say because I, I oh yeah, they, they pillage this village that I'm not going to attempt to like actually try to say because as I told you before, I old Eng, old Irish words, I'm never gonna be able to fucking do that, and my mouth wasn't made for those kind of backflips. My mouth wasn't made for walking. <laughs> no. Or Irish. Not what? not for Irish walking. <laughs> that sentence um, but, made no sense. <laughs> So the Vikings go and they kill and they burn and they pillage, which is what they do. It's normal. It sounds like um, normal Viking behavior. 
normal Viking behavior, except in the context of this story, the village that they just burnt and murdered everyone in was the one where Brian was studying. Brian. Good old Brian. And while Brian and his older brother are sitting on top of a hill watching all of this happen safely away. Yeah. For some reason, I guess it was fucking family day at the monastery. And <laughs> all of Brian's brothers and mom are murdered in front of him. Jesus. I can't believe it. Visit but your son it. at work day. So, ten siblings and his mother, done. One Absolutely instance. Absolutely eat it. So now his chances of succession are a little bit better. <laughs> oh, that's true. He still has one brother left. And all he has yeah. to do is kill him. He knows so, what he has to do. At the end of the day, the Vikings slaughter everyone except for Brian and two of his brothers. And much like a telltale game, Brian will remember this later. He definitely will. <laughs> I think there's I only wonder. one way to not remember it later, and it's to be one of the brothers that got killed. That died. Yeah. Uh, and, and we fast forward a little bit to 964, where Brian and his older brother, are you ready for this name? No. I'm, I haven't been ready for any of <laughs> I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, Mathgamane. Nope. Jesus. That's... That's Matthew, there's, but to there's the There's no, yeah, that's my name to the left. That's your, oh, okay, again, I'll send this in Discord it's my, so you can tell me I'm yeah. wrong. This is my Eldritch name. Nope, that looks like the right way to say that. <laughs> that's Mathgamane. Mathgamane. So, Mathgamane. Mathgamane, the first wizard. <laughs> the first wizard. Oh my god, Math- that's your new name, Matt. <laughs> Mathgamane, the first wizard. Wizard. So, Brian and Mathgamane have been just fighting their absolute tuchuses off um, for Mathgamane to capture the Rock of Cashel. Which, it was when the you rock capture. Rock of Cashel. Jesus Christ. The Rock of Cashel is like. It's obviously the, the like, first wizard's focus. Please keep up. Stop it. <laughs> kind of, because whoever is in charge of the Rock of Cashel is basically the king of Munster. No, that's. <laughs> it's like Shut the up. capital of Munster. I can't fucking You're... do it anymore. You're, like, so, making so much stuff up right now. He's, like, it's, coming up with so words great. that don't actually exist. They do exist, though. This is Zach's so, D&D campaign. Mathgamane and Brian capture the rock. Mathgamane and, and Brian. <laughs> Let's focus on how dumb that sentence is, too. This is, okay, so this is, like, a D&D campaign where one of the characters made his character, named him <laughs> Mathgamane, and then, like, you got there Everyone's on the day. Everyone's going really hard in the paint. Everyone's going really hard, and then the one guy shows up on the day, and it's like, hey, man, I still haven't gotten your character info. And he's like, yeah, his name's Brian. His name's fucking Brian. He's a I monk. Don't know. He's a monk. He rewrites so the Bible that... for fun. He's like, what's his backstory? It's just like, uh, 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 his parents died. His, all, his whole family and his, and his mom died in one day. Vikings, I guess. Let's roll. <laughs> so, uh, roll tide. Mathgamane and Brian capture the Rock of Cashel, making Mathgamane the king of Munster. I am uh, After their the father first dies. Wizard. The king um, of Munster. The, the kingship title is kind of iffy because all petty kings be petty in some fucking way. Yeah. And people in Munster didn't, all of the people in Munster and all the rest of Ireland didn't want to recognize Mathgamane as king. 
Um, yeah, I mean, but this story isn't about Mathgamane. It's about fucking Brian, Brian. So let's forget about him for a minute. I can't and forget about Mathgamane. As and if you can introduce a character like Mathgamane, and I'm just meant to set him aside. <laughs> we'll get back to him later, okay? Okay, okay fine. All right. So Brian is pretty restless now because there's no fucking war to fight because his brother's the king of Munster, and he's like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And also... Uh, a little person that we know about, or rather people that we know about, the boys of Limerick are also starting to get restless, too. Stop it. The, the boys of Limerick are also in this? <laughs> the, the, the Vikings of Limerick, Okay, yes. I'm going to be real honest. If this isn't a D&D campaign by the time that we're done with this story, Zach's going to like be like, and it was all just a dream. No, it's not all just a dream. This is fucking wild. What the hell? So... The there's a shaky treaty between Munster and the Vikings that are basically like, hey, we won't fuck your shit up if you don't fuck our shit up. And Brian's like, hey, fuck that shit. These yeah, people murdered <laughs> almost a quarter of my family in front of my eyes. I kind of want to fuck them up. Zach, I, I, want I think it was a little over a quarter. Well, I was going to say, he murdered his mom and ten siblings. Yeah, that's more than a quarter of a family. No, 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 sorry. His mom and nine siblings, so ten out of twelve people. Yeah, so yeah. nine out of... Yeah, that's... It's more... Zach, we got to teach you math, bud. I know. I'm <laughs> dumb. <laughs> So, Zach, we gotta we gotta stop this podcast and we gotta we start like a learning montage where like I guess like, I'm gonna stop my story and go look up a couple Khan Academy videos. <laughs> but so the, he, he's like, yeah, these people murdered a majority of my family. I want them dead. He's Frank. And Cash. so I want them dead too. Instead of listening to his brother being like, hey, don't go start picking fights and shit. Don't go chasing Brian's like, Come. What if I do go start picking fights? But what if uh, I did, though? He deserts his brother and leads a small group of men on a buck-wild guerrilla campaign against the Vikings. Yep, no, oh this God, is a d, &D what campaign. This where is him and his men go so hard in the paint that they don't actually stop the guerrilla campaign until after several months where Brian looks over at his once blooming guerrilla army and realizes it's just him and like 10 other dudes that are still alive. Oh my God. <laughs> and the He's Vikings are thoroughly fucked up. We just go until we stop going. Yeah, <laughs> Pretty much. He's the energizer bunny of guerrilla warfare. Driven by nothing but hatred for this group of people, Brian's like, what if we just killed these fucking people? I am fueled by spite alone. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and seeing the opportunity that Brian has given him, Mathgamane and this other oh, ruler. Come back. This other ruler, male mod, kind no. of say. <laughs> Gotta stop. No, I can't. I, I'm giving you the names. <laughs> what? Gotta, what? You gotta stop with these names. Oh, dude. God. Look, I didn't name the people of Ireland. They named themselves. But why? These are not. <laughs> yeah, that's so, how you'd say that. But Mathgamane and this other ruler, Male Mod, who is a actually a rival of Mathgamane, who is like who's a male mod. He's like, I don't he's like, I don't see the legitimacy of your kingship, but I guess I'll go fuck up some Vikings with you. Because they go finish the fight, Master Chief Brian, and 
burn limit to the ground. Oh my, oh my god. god. But this, this is, is the life of Brian Baru, and he isn't allowed to have anything nice in his fucking life. This is honestly the funniest story. <laughs> so, a few years later, you remember Mod, yeah. the guy who helped with the Vikings? Dude, how can I forget Nail about Mod, the guy Mod that you literally here. just mentioned? Yeah, yeah, well, he turns around and murders Mathgamane and claims no, himself Math to be Gamain. king now. Oh my god, you killed my favorite character. So what does Brian do? Brian, oh Brian doesn't like this. Gets ten <laughs> gorilla like, soldiers. He goes on like a burnt earth policy. Scorched earth. Well, he does go on a scorched earth policy, but first off, Brian is a man that sticks to his convictions. Yeah, so before going is. after Mud, he starts an entire campaign that officially kicks every fucking Viking out of Munster. Nice. <laughs> he removes every Viking from the from Ireland, basically. They don't deserve that cheese. <laughs> and second, he told <coughs> Maud to batten down the motherfucking hatches. Did he say it just like that? Because clearly... Yeah. I bet you he did. Okay. Because clearly no one kills this guy's family and gets away with it. Yeah, <laughs> So he starts a month-long, several-month-long campaign to go, and he finds Maud, and he kills him and solidifies his own claim to now become the king of Munster. So now King Brian of Munster says, it's good to be the king, but like, why would you be the king of Munster? <laughs> when you could be the high king of Ireland. When you could be the high so king true. of Brie or Gruyere. So the man wages a 20 year fucking campaign against every other motherfucker in Ireland that dares to king. tell him that he can't be a king. He's actually like MVP. And in 1014, we're finally oh, in, we're the in the quadruple digits. digits. Sorry, no, in sorry, 1002. Oh. So still in the quadruple digits. But just but barely. But in 1002. He sits on his pile of bodies and throne and becomes the High King of Ireland. I knew it. Hell I yes. knew it. He did it. <clears throat> king. Brian. And Brian, High King of Ireland. Brian, the first like, king of Ireland. He wasn't the first king, hey. but he was he was great. No, he was the first in my mind. <laughs> now he ends up dying in 1014, no. not very long after he takes no, the throne. Brian. Brian, no. Um in all fairness, at this time, he's in his 60s. That's well, pretty that's good. Ancient. Oh, yeah. That's God, ancient for geez. this. Now, yeah, that's he actually... made a deal with the bog hag. With the bog hag, yeah. Now, like all good stories, the ending of this one is slightly up for debate. Uh-huh. <laughs> because some say that he died in man-to-man combat, despite his age 60-something fucking body. Well, others say he was killed while he was praying in his tent late at night by Brodeer, a Viking mercenary. Uh, jujitsu. Whether it was a noble death in combat or from a sneak attack, it doesn't really matter to me because Brodeer is captured very soon after the death of Brian and is executed. By having his stomach slashed open and forcefully marched around a tree so that his entrails encircled the trunk. Wow, fuck. Okay. <laughs> and that's the life of Brian. Damn, dude. <laughs> High King of Ireland. 
So to recap, I think we gotta do. I think we gotta do more Irish history. I don't Irish think we need fucking to great. recap. There were too many side characters. No, 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 no. Just uh, no, quick, it was... quick recap oh. yeah. to like yeah, make it so recap. it's easier to understand. Brian is born. Yeah. Yeah. As the long, long young child in a dynasty. Yeah. And <clears throat> his entire family is murdered by Vikings. Yeah. He grows up to murder a bunch of Vikings. His Everyone in his family that was still alive dies, so he becomes king somehow. And he says, what if I just became the king of everything? And he fucking does it. <laughs> and then he dies. And then he Big dies. Hero. But we're all destined to get that point at some time. He just went out like a fucking boss. <laughs> I know, dude. That was so good. That was a great story. Irish history. Actually, Irish history is fucking buck wild, and I love it. It is insane. Yeah, actually, so good. Yeah, we need to do more Irish stories. We that was so definitely funny. do. And Mathgamain needs to be a character in a D&D. Mathgamain! I will make Mathgamain a character in a D&D I, I will also have to do the same. <laughs> We're all going to have like Mathgamain. No, I'm Mathgamain. Megan's just going to no, make I'm... her next character Mathgamain. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> You joke, but no, I wouldn't put it past you. You're not, you're not <clears throat> wrong. And I love that. Mathgamain might be. He's not going to be unhinged. Why he's going to be an unhinged <laughs> wizard. Don't lie. I don't know. All right, guys, we have wizard. reached the part of the podcast where I try to do some semblance of an outro, and Zach interrupts me to talk about our socials, and that'll <laughs> happen in three, two, oh. one. Hi, everyone. I'm here to interrupt Matt to talk about the socials. And those socials are as followed. Well, you can find us on the lovely platform of Instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions. You can find us on Facebook if you look up the triumvirate productions. And you can also join us on our Patreon, www.com www.com wow i fucked that up www.patreon.com there are three w's in the ww guys www.patreon.com zach's only saying the first two i only count the first two but anyway patreon.com slash triumvirate productions where you can subscribe to our three dollar level where you just are like hey we like you and you're pretty cool so here's three bucks our five dollar level where you get uh what the fuck after dark uh and as well as the rest of the stuff that everyone else gets. And our $10 level, which, hey, we have a $10 level subscriber now, y'all. Uh, Alana is very nice to have done that. Uh, and what you get at the $10 level is What the Fuck After Dark, as well as unedited episodes a day before they actually go out to the public, and show notes. Oh, and the After Dark. I knew there was something so I get... forgot to do this week. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's where you can find us on our socials. And if you don't want to give us some money because you're broke like the rest of us in this economy, yeah, I understand. Um, but you can also do is you can go on to Apple Podcast. And if you look under Apple Podcast, you can give us a rating and review. If you give us a five-star rating and give us a little review, it kind of helps bump us up the charts. So it's like a free way to make us look good. And we like looking good. We sure do. That's, true. that's why we go to the gym. It is why we go to the gym. Gym tan history. Yes. GTH. All right. What if we What if we go to the gym and we do this podcast on the train? Um, I will be so out of breath. I My would literally, yeah, I'd be screaming. I only lift. I'm a fucking bro. I would be screaming <laughs> for death. Lift. 
uh, after the first five minutes. Um, so now that Zach has interrupted me to do the socials, I will do what I do best and bring this podcast to a close. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us at What the Fuck History. I have but one more question for all of you, our esteemed and noble guests, and that question is, What the Fuck History? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.